Thank you. Well, good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord. What a joy it is to gather with you all and share in this time of worship on this final Sunday of the church year. We call this Christ the King Sunday. There is witness to this by way of your bulletins, you may have noticed. This sculpture is actually a part of the witness of First United Methodist Church Martinsville. If you uh, go onto Leicester Street and look at the side entrance into the elevator area of the church, you will see this sculpture above that doorway on the side entrance of Leicester. And I've always rejoiced and celebrated that this is part of our witness, the witness to the Lamb who is slain, who is worthy of all worship and praise. And we especially celebrate that message on this final Sunday of the church year. Uh, grateful for all of you sharing in worship this morning, especially those visitors, guests who may be with us. We thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. Uh, you bless us with your presence. I pray this is a blessed time for us all. And we'll just remind you that on your pews you should find to your right or left a registration pad because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship at First Church this morning. We are grateful to have with us the musical guest, the Brass Five, this morning. And Jill, I'll invite you to, to welcome them. Good morning, everyone. It's fantastic to see you all from this vantage point, as I know you're there, but I don't get to visually appreciate all of you every Sunday morning. But yes, today is Christ the King Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays in the liturgical year. And I'm delighted to have these five gentlemen from Brass Five, the Brass Five Quintet, with us today. How appropriate that they should play a jazz contemporary version of Beneath the Cross of Jesus, because we will have them next with us at Easter time when Jesus is triumphantly come out of the tomb. So we have them here today to usher in our Christ the King Sunday, and I want to show you that we have listed their names in the bulletin. On first trumpet is Brian Quackenbush. Quackenbush? Brian Quackenbush. On second trumpet is Gerald Pope. Rodney Overstreet is on horn. Ed Griffin is on trombone. And Robert Cheneau is on tuba. There's also a percussionist that makes up this ensemble, so hopefully he will be with us in, in April of next year. But again, it's always a joy to be in the house of the Lord and to bring our worship through music to our community. Especially today, too, I want you to see that we are at capacity in this choir loft with this choir, too. We miss you out there. But it's wonderful to have them and to be working with them, and I think you will also experience the ministry of music from them today, too. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, and welcome again, gentlemen. And I'll just have you know that I'm praying you received, as you came into worship this morning, this flyer. Uh, I'm very excited about the information that you find upon this flyer. It speaks to planning that has gone into the upcoming season of Advent, beginning next Sunday with the Hanging of the Green. But before that even, this coming Wednesday, will be the first of our Advent midweek services here in the sanctuary at noon. Jake Gardner, good morning, Jake. Uh, will be with us to offer music as part of that service. Jill will be at the organ as well. There will be the scripture uh, at the heart of that service that is the scripture also for the following Sunday for each of these midweek services. And there will be a, a brief, simple celebration of the Lord's Supper. 
So I'm hoping uh, that you will be a part of these experiences of worship, that you will find them enriching your Advent journey. And I hope you take note of the other services before us as well. Uh, the Blue Christmas service on December the 20th, the Christmas Eve services, uh, and other activities that are before us. We are, we are very blessed uh, by God to be able to offer these resources for ministry in mission and worship, especially as we move through the season of Advent. Uh, we start small group studies that are Advent-related this coming Tuesday, both at noon and at 6.30 in the Uptown Ministry Center. And again, before us, the scripture, uh, will, the main scripture will be from Revelation chapter 1, uh, which is not listed in the bulletin. So I will take responsibility for that and also say that since I wrote a sermon based on Revelation 1, I thought it, we would do well to read that scripture. Seems to work out well. So that scripture will follow the singing of Crown Him with Many Crowns uh, and before the sharing of the sermon. I invite us to prepare to worship God together. Invite us to stand, we share in our call to worship. Grace to you, and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from Jesus Christ. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, made us to be a kingdom, priest serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We will sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 5. 1, 2, 3, and 5 of praise to the Lord the Almighty.
We go to God as we pray. O Lord, you who we pretend to know so well in our creeds, in our prayers, in our playing church, today we want to see Jesus. Today we want to experience the Holy Spirit's presence. Today we come to worship you. Help us be authentic. Help us be ready. Help us be honest because we need you. We need you here. In our hearts, be priest hearing our confessions. In our minds, be king of our thoughts. In our lives, be prophetic voice and action. Amen. We share from Daniel chapter 7 a vision of what is to come, a vision that is picked up by John the Revelator as we share from Revelation, the first chapter. I invite us to hear the word of God from Daniel. First, we pray. Lord, speak your word above all others and remove all that would keep us from hearing you. Lead us, Lord, as people of direction, always directed to you, our Lord and our Savior. And may the word proclaimed make us ready to receive you and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I looked, thrones were placed, and one that was ancient of days took his seat. His raiment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you. 
I'll invite our children to come down. We uh, share now in our children's time. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. I hope we had a nice Thanksgiving. Everyone had a good Thanksgiving, which means once Thanksgiving passes, and then we head on to Christmas. Wow. You all said that in unison so well. Well, I brought with me this morning something that I think will, will speak to the, actually the season that is before Christmas. You see, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's a very important season that we observe within the church. And does, I'm going to sit down. And you may have heard us saying as we came to worship this morning that this is a Sunday we call Christ the King Sunday. And the church observes time a little differently than everyone else. In fact, we say that is Christ the King Sunday, this is the last Sunday in the church year. Did you, did you hear us saying that? This is the last Sunday in the church year, which invites the question, well, what do we do next? Next Sunday will be the beginning of a new year in the church, and it is the beginning of the season of... Okay. Okay. Well, you see, you're right, but we in the church have our own unique language and our own seasons within the church. So next Sunday will be the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent will go for four seasons. Now, that's why I brought this plant with me. Does anyone know what kind of plant this is? I think it's Christmas cactus. And, and look, look at this cactus. It's in my office. Do you see these? What does that look like? Okay, and so... Okay, so these are little, they're going to be flowers, but they're not flowers yet, are they? They're little buds, little flower buds, and they're just starting out, and it's real exciting, but we're not there yet. And that's what Advent says to us well. Advent says we need to wait. Advent says we need to prepare. It says Jesus is going to be born, and we, we remember that on Christmas Day. But before we get to Christmas Day, we need to take some time to wait and prepare and pray and read Scripture and listen to God's prophets and, and gather for worship. A lot of things. It is a lot of things. That's right. But they're very important. And what, the, what that season of Advent does, what that time of waiting does, make sure that come Christmas Day, we're ready to receive Jesus. And, and the temptation is before us to hurry everything, to get there already, to, to, to just hurry things along, kind of like this with this plant. There's that part of me that would like to say, okay, bloom already. I want to see your beautiful flowers. But I can't do that. I, I, I do have to garden it. I have to fertilize, I have to water, and then in, in, in the fullness of time, in the right time, these plants, these flowers will bloom. Well, so what's true for taking care of this flower is true for us is also in Advent. 
this starting next Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, we'll, we'll light candles and we'll go through all these important rituals. We'll, we'll do the hanging of the green, all helping us be ready for the birth of Jesus. So I look forward to sharing with you in that season and to coming to that time of, of celebration. Well, last comment. Okay, right. Well, it's going to, we may bring this plan out some more just to see how our plan is progressing and just to invite us to ask, how are we preparing? How are we getting ready for the birth of Jesus? So I look forward to sharing in that important holy season of Advent with you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. And repeat after me, please. Lord, we thank you that Christ is Lord. And we thank you that you give us time to prepare to receive Jesus as Lord of our lives. Amen. We stand as we sing.
As mentioned, we share from the Revelation to John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We hear the word of our Lord. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and a dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, everyone who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I've heard it said, as you have heard it said, politics has no place within the church. We've heard that. We have said that. Church is not the place for the espousal of political views. And I understand those sentiments and do not feel led to argue them one way or another. I say this knowing I have colleagues in ministry who are not shy about expressing their political views. They may espouse these views through social media. They may do so through letters to the editor. They may do so from the pulpit. And I do not criticize this decision on their part to share political views. It may be they feel led to do this as part of their ministry. I do know that for myself, to this point in my ministry, despite the fact I hold political views and consider myself politically informed, I do not feel led to go public with these views. Still, were I to say my rationale for doing this was the belief that politics has no place within the church, I believe I'd be mistaken. Because it appears as we read our scriptures, the church, by its nature, takes political stands. Now that may sound surprising, but could it be any other way? I mean, is there any social or cultural issue about which the church is not to speak? Is that issue immigration? Is it the opioid crisis? Is it substance abuse? Is it poverty? Is it the economy? About what issue is the Church of Christ to be quiet? Well, you may realize the United Methodist Church has long spoken its views about social and cultural issues. The official views of the United Methodist Church regarding these issues are found where? In our Book of Discipline. In the preface to these social principles, the Book of Discipline tells us, the United Methodist Church has a long history of concern for social justice. 
Its members have often taken forthright positions on controversial issues involving Christian principles. Early Methodists expressed their opposition to the slave trade, to smuggling, and to cruel treatment of prisoners. Following this preface, there are detailed positions regarding the United Methodist Church toward the natural world, the nurturing community, the social community, the economic community, the political community, the world community, and our social creed. So according to the United Methodist Church, at least, the church is not called to silence regarding social and political issues, and this is good news considering the scripture we share this morning. We shared from Revelation. John the Revelator sharing his vision, the one that God has given to him, is clear in his witness. Grace to you and peace from him who was and who is and is to come. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, he is coming, and every eye will see him and everyone who pierced him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now it's true the primary intent of these words is not to espouse political statements. Still, it is evident within these words that the church, by way of its witness, engages the principalities and the powers. You see, when you and I in the church profess Jesus is Lord, we are saying no one else is Lord. When we claim the witness that Jesus Christ is ruler of kings on earth, we are saying there is no other ruler and there is no other king. When we say Jesus is the one who is and who was and who is to come, we are saying there is no one else to whom you and I are accountable and there is no one else waiting to receive us at the end of history. Jesus is Lord. No one else, not the Caesars, not the emperors, not tyrants, not presidents. Jesus is Lord's. That is a political statement, and perhaps the church cannot be the church without being political. You see, this is the place to which this church here leads us. Because, as we've said before, the way the church interprets time speaks a powerful witness to all who would hear. This morning, we stand at the climactic and defiant proclamation of the church year. Christ is King. And remember, we have prepared for the coming Savior during the season of Advent. We have welcomed the birth of this Savior at Christmas. We have announced he is born for all peoples during Epiphany. We have traveled with this Lord through his suffering and death in the season of Lent. 
We have proclaimed the Easter news that Christ is risen. And we have seen and heard this news proclaimed to all nations on the day of Pentecost. All of this leading us to the witness of this final Sunday of the church year. You see, toward this witness of every knee bowed and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord, toward this witness we are always directed. So it is very appropriate that in recent days I have come from my office into this sanctuary as often as I am able at 2.23 p.m. I stay in here at least until 2.26 p.m. When I come into the sanctuary at this time, I, I sit in this first or second pew here because, as you notice, these pews are rarely sat in, and I hate to see them go to waste, so I want to see what that experience is like. And I'll sit in one of these pews because I've noticed the lighting is good from these western windows in case I wish to sit there and read some Holy Scripture. Now, if you wonder why I come into the sanctuary at this time carrying my Bible, I remind you of the invitation before us in the United Methodist Church. We know that from February 23rd to 23, until February 26th to 26th next year, a special session of the General Conference of the United Methodist Church is to be held in St. Louis. It has been understood by many that based upon decisions made by delegates attending this conference, the unity of the United Methodist Church may be at stake. With this in mind, we within the church are asked to pray each day from 223 to 226. We are invited to practice other spiritual disciplines as well, all with the desire that God's will be done. That God's Spirit fill the delegates participating in this conference. That God's Spirit work among and within all discussion and all decisions of this conference. And please join me in that time of prayer. As we pray, I hope we claim the witness we serve as we pray. The witness is this, that all matters within this church, that all ministries within this church be in service to Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. The witness is this, that all deliberation, all counsel within this church as we prepare for and engage in general conference be according to the purpose of him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and his Father. <clears throat> the witness is this, that we within God's church direct ourselves fully to this God loving him with all heart and soul and mind and strength, confessing that to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We heard the witness of John the Revelator. 
It is a witness telling us Jesus is the one who is and was and is to come. It is a witness telling us he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. It is a witness telling us Jesus is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, standing at the beginning of history and receiving us at the end of history. About this, John is clear, sharing the revelation God has given him. Now it is according to this vision, I feel called to pray general conference before us. You see, if this is the future toward which we are directed, if this is the life we will one day fully experience in the presence of God, if this is life known in God's kingdom, why not do all we can to align our lives with this kingdom now? Why would we not choose to give ourselves to such a kingdom in prayer and in worship and in service? To what else should we give ourselves? Just a few weeks ago, several of us in worship leadership at First Church, along with other such leaders from the Danville District, met in the Bassett classroom of the Uptown Ministry Center to participate in a workshop on worship as part of the Virginia Conference Five Talent Academy. During the morning portion of this workshop, we watched a, a presentation by the Reverend Greg Moore of the North Carolina Conference of the Church. Reverend Moore spoke to us on the theology of worship and we found him doing so in a powerful way. I say this because Greg Moore spoke to us this essential truth. You and I do not opt out of worship. We do not opt out of worship. We worship something. So Greg Moore invites us to look at our bank statements. He invites us to look at our calendars. I invite us to look at our cell phones. Because in these witnesses, says Moore, there is evidence of what we worship. Now it is true as we look at our bank statements, at our calendars, at our cell phones, we don't find evidence of singing hymns or offering prayers to all that is found within calendars or financial statements or phones. But the absence of these rituals does not mean the absence of worship. The absence of rituals does not mean our lives are not lived in reference to money, its possession, or expenditure thereof. The absence of rituals does not mean our lives are not lived in reference to a calendar governing where we should be and when we should go. The absence of rituals does not mean there's the absence of that around which we orient our lives, that to which we subject ourselves. So Greg Moore is right, isn't he? We don't opt out of worship. We are creatures made to worship and glorify our God forever, but we are also free to worship the creature 
rather than the Creator. Either way, we don't opt out of worship. And what behavior would we say is, is more important than this? Worship shapes our world. Worship orients us. Worship leads us now into the life God promises us, the life we will know with the one who is Lord of all heaven and earth. Worship now allows us to experience God's universal victory, a victory all creation shall see. Worship tells us the truth. We don't opt out of it. On an unseasonably pleasant Tuesday morning in January of 2008, I received the tragic news of the death of a teenager in a church I then served. For the next several days, I would spend a great deal of time with his mother with whom he had lived. His parents were divorced. and spent a great deal of time with his older brother and younger sister. On Friday afternoon of that week, the weather having turned appropriately enough cold and overcast, the funeral service was held in the church. This teen, having been loved by many, the church was filled to overflowing with people standing both within and outside the sanctuary. Following the service, there was the long, slow, dark procession to the gravesite for burial. Just two days later, Sunday morning, ready for worship, I entered the sanctuary. I found my place behind the pulpit, much as I do now. Looking upon those gathered for worship, I saw in her usual place to my right, this teenager's young mother. I had to turn my eyes from her. I knew I would cry if it did not do so. This young mother had just experienced the worst week of her life. During that week, had she slept? Had she eaten anything? Less than 48 hours previously, she had sat in that sanctuary for the funeral service of her son. But at the end of that week, she awakens herself on a Sunday morning and gets herself ready to come to church. We would have understood had she felt it too soon to come back to that place. We would have understood had she decided for any reason not to come to worship. But she did. And I sit there in that sanctuary that Sunday morning and wonder, how do you do this? Were I to ask her this question, I wonder if her response would have been something like this. Keith, where else would you have me be this morning? After the week I've experienced, 
don't you think this is the place I need to be more than any other? Where else am I going to hear of the one who alone is Lord over life and death? Where else am I going to hear of the one who comes to establish a place in which there is no more mourning, nor crying, nor death anymore? Where else will I hear about the God who wipes every tear from my cheek? Keith, where else would I be this morning? Her question is before us all. Where else would we be this morning? Where else would we be? Amen. invite us to affirm our faith, and to do so by the sharing of the Nicene Creed as it is before us. It's number 880 in our hymnals. We stand as we affirm our faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, it proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. As we are standing, I invite us to welcome one another. We pass the peace of Christ.
As we find our places, I invite our ushers to come forward. We worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Don't forget the balcony. There are a lot of people up there this morning. Glad you're there. Looking wonderful. The further away you get, the better I look. That's the, that's the key. Let us pray. Lord, on this day in particular, we remember the victory you give us in Christ our Lord. To him be all worship and praise, and to your glory be these gifts we return unto you. And may they be a blessing to all your people in all places. Amen.
We go to God as we pray, and we share in a responsive pattern of prayer that we know is the prayers of the people. I will share various petitions, and petitions that are especially appropriate this morning to the Christ the King Sunday, and I will conclude each of these petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy. I invite from you the response, hear our prayer. I also invite the naming of those persons or concerns you would like to, to lift to God as we pray together. And then we conclude with a prayer that Christ has taught us. We go to God as we pray. Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we, your people, acclaim you, we praise you, we exalt you, we bless your holy name. It is your love revealed in the life and death of Jesus it is your power seen in his resurrection, and it is your majesty made known by his ascension into heaven to be at your side. Help us, O God, always to keep your power and your authority and your love and your majesty in our minds, and never to neglect the doing of your will. Help us be obedient to the word you place in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, in your mercy. Father of us all, we believe that Christ Jesus should rule within our worship and our life together as your people. We believe, too, that he should rule over our work in the world and within our families. Indeed, we profess that he wants to be Lord of our lives, the one supreme in deciding how we should relate to friends and neighbors. Help us make this evident in what we do each and every day, in how we make decisions about how we spend our time and money, in how we employ our hands and how we direct our feet, in how we speak and in how we think, in how we rest and in how we work. Lord, in your mercy, 
O God, in his time with us. Christ has shown his authority over wind and wave. We pray that he may bring peace and calm to all whose lives are troubled. Lord, in your mercy. Thank you, God Almighty, for hearing our prayers. All these things we ask of you in the name of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, praying as Christ has taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. We stand, we share our closing hymn.
blessing us and sharing your gifts as we worship God together. I'll look forward to being with you again soon. We worship the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Lord God, the Almighty. Go now in peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank <laughs> you. 